You have reached Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey, a ministry and podcast of the Discover Young Adults Ministry at the Preston Crest Church of Christ in Dallas, Texas. We meet at 945 on Sunday mornings, and we have small groups all throughout the week. We are located at Preston Road and Highway 635 in North Dallas. My name is Jacob Hawk. I'm the Young Adults Minister and the host of this podcast. It doesn't matter if you are single, dating, if you want to be dating, if you're married, if you want to be married, or if you're divorced, or if you're trying to figure out at what stage of life you are passing through. At the Discover Young Adults Ministry, we want to help you discover life, discover love, and discover the Lord. If I can help you or serve you in any way, or if I can pray for you, please email me at jacob at pressandcrest.org. This is Jacob Hawk, the host of Road Talk and Navigating Your Journey, and I'm so glad that you are back with us today as we continue to slowly but surely make our way through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. We've taken the summer to really turn our ear to these truths of Jesus that Jesus just lays out there for an angry religious mob, but also many who had assembled to listen to these words of the Savior. And so far we've talked about the truth concerning spiritual disciplines and relationships and the way that we should view life. But today we're going to talk about the truth that Jesus gives us concerning investments, the way we spend our money, the way we use our money. And I want to begin today by doing a little exercise. Now, if you were in a classroom with me here at Preston Crest, or if I was speaking to you at a different church somewhere in the area, I would ask you to pull out a piece of paper and a pen or a pencil. But if you are listening to this while you're driving or walking down the road, I would not encourage you to pull out pen and paper if you're behind the wheel. I certainly want to wouldn't want to mess up your workout if that's what you're doing right now. So maybe you can just think with me when I ask you these questions. But if you do have paper and pen, we'll go ahead and participate. I want you to write down or think about the three most expensive things that you own. Write down or think about the three most expensive things that you own. And here's my question. If you had to give up one of those things today, which one would you choose? Which one would be the easiest for you to let go? Think about that for a moment. If I had to give up one of the three most expensive things I own, which one would I let go? Now, if you know the answer to that question, ask this question. What was it about that one thing that set it apart from the other two? If I were to guess, it would probably be how much you paid for it, the purchase amount, the cost. Have you ever noticed that the things we often hold the most dear are the things which cost us the most amount of money? Now, I know that there are some special heirlooms that money can't buy, 
You have some, I have some, but for a general rule, if it puts a dent in your bank account, there's a good chance you're going to guard it very carefully. Because in your mind, it's a treasure. Well, you know, Jesus had something to say about that. And if he were to conduct the exercise, he would phrase it very differently than I have today. I think he would ask us to write down our biggest treasure, and then he would ask, why is it a treasure? And is it a treasure on earth, or is it a treasure in heaven? Can you touch it with your fingers, or can you only cherish it in your heart? I'm convinced that the passage we're going to take a look at today in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is one of the most difficult for 21st century American-minded, Western-shaped, capitalist-driven people to hear. It's tough. But Jesus desperately wants us to listen. And so Jesus makes this statement, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. But you cannot serve both God and money. Jesus gives us a lot to chew on there and a lot to think about, and I guess it's only right to begin where he begins, and that's by talking about the truth of treasures. Jesus says in verse 19, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. In the first century, treasures were very different than they are today. There were no banks in the first century. So people's money was backed by precious metals, which eventually do what? They rust. And since they didn't have any banks, they kept all of their valuables at home, which only served to increase the chance of theft. The people, they did not have different clothing styles. Everyone wore the same thing. Numerous changes of clothing was a sign of extreme wealth. But we all know that clothes are ruined regardless of how many sets we have. So it was very clear what Jesus was saying. The things you can touch, the things that you think have value, they really aren't that valuable. Today, if Jesus were going to use current day illustrations, I think he might say, don't place your life in the stock market. It's going to climb, it's, then it's going to fall. And sometimes if you aren't careful, it will just rob you of everything. Don't place your trust in your savings account because with inflation, you don't know what it's really going to be worth when you actually need it. Don't place your trust in Social Security. Don't place your trust in some insurance policy. 
Don't place all of your identity in the car you drive or the home that you build because one bad storm can level thousands of dollars in the blink of an eye. I mean, that sounds pretty discouraging. And I guess for some people it is. But in verse 20, Jesus gives the solution. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Why? Well, because those things don't happen in heaven. (laughs) In heaven, there is no rust. There is no destruction. There is no theft. Heaven will protect everything that earth ruins. Which, in my opinion, is a big reason why Jesus will spend so much time later on in this chapter talking about why we should not worry. People who place their treasures in heaven have an easier time avoiding worry in their life. That is because their treasures are protected. Finally, once and for all, they are in good hands, like one insurance company starts with an all, ends with a state, claims to be. And I love what Jesus says in verse 21. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus does not say where your heart is, that's where you'll find your treasure. No, he says where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. For first century people, the heart was more than just the house of emotion. It was also the center of intellect and the center of human will, the center of man's existence. So when Jesus says where your heart is, your treasure will be, he's also saying where your life is. That's where you're going to find your treasure. Where's your life today? Where is your identity? Where do you place your value? Well, according to Jesus, that's where your treasure is, and your treasure may not be that treasurable if it's in the wrong place. You know, here's the thing about earthly treasures and earthly possessions. They are either going to leave us or we are going to leave them. We will either run out of money or we will run out of time, but they will never go with us. And so Jesus says, make sure that you have the right kind of treasure. And then Jesus talks about eyes. And I have to admit, I wonder why. I mean, it's kind of confusing. First of all, the preacher and speaker and teacher in me says, this is a terrible transition. (laughs) You're talking about treasures of the heart, and then you talk about the eye being a lamp. How did you jump from A to B? There's got to be another bridge here that we haven't found. And on top of that, there's a translation issue. The NIV that I read from says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But some other translations, mainly older translations, mention the single eye. And if you have a single eye, then you will see what you need to see. What in the world does that mean? Well, some commentators say that Jesus is arguing if you see things with a single eye, then you see it for what it really is. If you see double, you're always wanting more. There's always a hidden motivation, kind of like the Pharisees. 
I don't know if that's right or wrong. I do think this is the point. If you learn to see life the right way, you're going to be much, much happier. You see, there's a parallel between our treasures and our eyes. It's our heart. What we value determines what we see. If our heart is in the right place, our life takes the right path because our eyes will see what our hearts feel. It gets back to that question we keep asking, what is your treasure and why is it so important? What is your treasure and why is it so important? That question defines everything. And then Jesus concludes this little segment of Scripture by talking about the truth of masters. And when he talks about masters, there's no doubt that Jesus has in mind money. He says you can't have two masters. You can't do it. You'll either hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other, but you cannot serve both God and money. Some translations will render it, you can't serve both God and mammon a word which means riches. Now, is Jesus saying we can't have nice things? No. Is Jesus saying it's a sin to be wealthy? No. Abraham was wealthy. David was wealthy. Moses was raised in a life of wealth. Matthew, the tax collector, was wealthy. Luke, the physician, more than likely, was well off. What Jesus is saying is you can own possessions, but your possessions cannot own you. And this concept doesn't just apply to money. It applies to your friends, to your job, even your own spouse. If you spend all of your energy and resources trying to please them, you will never be able to please God the way that God wants you to please him. Because only one can be your master. Jesus leaves us with the choice. Who controls your life? And Jesus' disciples, they had a tendency to make the wrong choice. They claimed to follow only Jesus, but one day Jesus asked them a very embarrassing question. Why do you call me your Lord? Why do you call me your master and not do what I tell you to do? They were trying to serve two masters, and it didn't work. You see, that great leader Joshua of old, long ago in the days of Israel, as they were about to conquer the promised land, Joshua got it right. He saw people turning to the right and turning to the left, turning to other masters who were no masters at all. And so Joshua took a stand at Shechem, and Joshua said, Choose this day whom you will serve. Make a decision. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the church desperately needs men and women and families to rise up and to make that same promise today. You see, everything we've discussed in this episode hinges on one life-changing word, and that word is priority. In our earthly lives, we understand the importance of that word, 
in education, the state gives a test every year to see how students are doing. In athletics, practice is a priority. In finances, planning for the future is a priority. We understand the concept of priority, but if we make priorities for life on earth, why don't we always make priorities for life after earth? You know, God really doesn't care what earthly accomplishments you achieve. He doesn't care if you're poor or wealthy. He doesn't care if you're educated or if you have the most advanced degrees. God doesn't care if you're a male or a female, black or white, American or European. What God does care about is if he is number one in your life. And if you get that one down, everything else falls into place. But what is so scary is we often define priority the wrong way. Universities send the wrong message to their students. Professors tell their students, our main job here with you in these four years is to make sure that when you leave here that you have a job with good benefits and a good future. Are those things nice? Sure they are. Are they important? Absolutely. But that's not the priority. Someone once said that your career is what you're paid for. Your calling is what you're made for. Oh, I love that balance. Your career is what you're paid for. It's how you get by. But your calling is what you're made for. Your calling is your purpose. And regardless of our profession or our credentials, our calling is to point people to Jesus. We see this happen in churches. Church, churches can be just as guilty as individuals of storing up treasures in the wrong place. When all the tangible things like buildings or amenities or programs define a church's identity or purpose, priority has been pushed under the rug. Have you noticed how long it takes for a natural disaster to teach us what's most important in life? A tornado levels a town, a hurricane floods a neighborhood, an earthquake splits a foundation. Then people say, we need God. But when life is just peachy, <laughs> when we accumulate as many treasures as we can, we so quickly forget. Don't be guilty of that problem. In a world full of wealth, be a people be a church who have the faith to say, this is nice, but this is nothing. Because we place our value and our lives in the hands of God. For He, and He alone, is our treasure. The world says, while you're here, build your own little kingdom. But one day that kingdom's going to fall. Jesus said, while you're here, build up my kingdom and prepare to spend the rest of your life in my kingdom, in that home that I have prepared for you. We'll only get there if Jesus is our top priority. Is Jesus your top priority? 
Is he the number one of your life? I hope that he is. And as always, I encourage you to keep your eyes on heaven. And I look forward to our time together. 